I remember you cried. I did cry. I thought I thought I would outsmart them because like they were kind of like hinting that like he wasn't real, but they were like, well, we'll never tell you because we don't want to ruin it. And I remember just being like, look, I know he's not real. You can tell me. I was like trying to like fake him out, like being like, I know he's not real. Tell me just so they'd be like, no, he actually is real. And then they told me, I was like, no. <laughs> Did you watch the Lions game today? Nope. What the fuck? <laughs> I was watching the Browns. Gross. I live in Ohio. What do you want from me? Did you see the I, highlights at least? I was watching it on my phone. I got some, I got some Lions players on my team. Jameer Gibbs has been doing great stuff for me these last couple of weeks. Love Gibbs. My uh, my team name in my work league is Gibbs Me That Dub. Nice. It was an awesome game. I actually thought we were going to lose. Like I was already curled up in the depression snuggle, like had a blanket, like half over my head. I was like, oh my God, we're going to lose to the bears. And then it just was awesome. But the ending, amazing. We were like screaming. And then afterwards, Andrew goes, you know, that's not really a good omen for next week. Yeah, it's not at all. You fucking traitor. (laughs) I, I I said, because Dad and I were watching the end of the Browns game, but we, we both were like tracking the Bears and Lions on our phone. We were just kind of tracking to see how the two Ohio State quarterbacks were doing. Stroud did not play well today. Um, but I was basically just like, oh, wow, the Bears might actually pull this out. Lauren's going to be fucking pissed. I was even, I was like, I don't think she's going to want to record tonight. But then I saw that they were basically like on the one yard line. And I said, okay. It'd be nice for for Fields to get a win here, but I know the football gods aren't going to allow it. So let's let Gibbs punch it in here one more time. And fucking David Montgomery scored, so that pissed me off, which is just insult to injury because he pay- played for the Bears last year. Then yeah. I was just like, well, let's see what Fields can do here. He's got 30 seconds and then fucking... Oh, Jesus Christ. I can't believe I was... you like that son of a bitch. What? You said the other day that Aiden Hutchinson is your favorite fucking player. Honestly, he's so like I I've moved on. Like his past is his past. He's a lion's now. He's he's a lion's now. <laughs> he's a lion now. And like he actually had been kind of having like a a lull. He hadn't had a sack in a while. But no, it's really good. Fields was running all over us. I was really nervous for those last thirty seconds because we just could not stop the run today. And then. Boom, bam. He did some good stuff for me on my fantasy team. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Lauren Gets Lost. I'm Zane. I'm Lauren. And today we are covering Season 3, Episode 21, Greatest Hits. And a little behind-the-scenes knowledge here. We are doubling up on recordings and spacing out between now and the finale. Because I'm pretty sure we're all paranoid about what's going to happen the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And we're not going to let our moods ruin potentially a recording session. Yeah. I'm not feeling very optimistic for Neither next weekend. I. So we will be waiting to record the finale until the following weekend. Although that could be equally as depressing because we could be recording on the day that we should be playing in the potential picture. We'll be needing something to do that day to take our minds off of it. Hopefully. I mean, hopefully not. I, I don't even, I'm already just so like, uh. yeah, I've, 
I've kind of accepted it. Although, like, the, I know by Friday, I'll be like, we're going to kick their fucking ass. No. I'm just, just going to talk myself into it. I'll never feel that way. But anyway, lost, because I'm sure people really don't care about football. Especially yeah. our international listeners. Lost. Uh, which also, with our doubling up on episodes, means that I watched The Man Behind the Curtain yesterday, and then I got to watch this episode today, which was really nice because we're we're super rampant and i really i like now i really want to watch the finale because this one ended crazy and speaking of endings happy new year everyone first podcast of the new year and also the last year of lauren gets lost if all goes to plan the schedule we have laid out will be wrapping up in december that's crazy cannot believe it I just can't believe, I mean, we haven't finished it. We could still quit, but (laughs) we're halfway done almost. So that's pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. So let's dive into it. Lauren, what'd you think of this episode? I thought it was good, especially for a Charlie episode. I actually thought it was a very good episode. Um, It felt really short. Like when it ended, I literally was like, what? Like, you're already saying lost what what what's happening (laughs) so yeah i liked it but it also just it really felt more like a a build-up to something crazy there were some moments in this episode where i was just like yeah this is for tv some of these things don't really like make sense and you wouldn't do in like the normal world like when when carl is just like they're they're coming now or they're on their way now. And then like everyone just kind of like looks at these and he's like, they're coming right now. It's just like, Aww. you don't have to scream it. I actually loved it. Like it was so cheesy, but it, it felt very like 2000s. Oh yeah. Speaking of which the CGI and the end of the episode, when he's like swimming down to the looking glass, I was like, Oh, did not age well at all. Oh, I didn't even notice that was fine. Give me that synopsis, Lauren. Charlie reminisces on his greatest moments as he faces his impending death and the survivors prepare for invasion. Ooh. No mention of uh, the glorious return of Rose? Uh, no. Well, I've got some quick bits. Let's just get through them really quickly because there's a lot to talk about here. This episode was directed by Stephen Williams. Zach and Jeremy Shada, who are the actors that play young Charlie and Liam in number four of the flashbacks, are actually real-life brothers. The Night and Day Bar on Oldham Street is actually a real bar. And the flashback scene in which Charlie stops a mugging is the same day as when Desmond and Charlie quote-unquote meet in Flashes Before My Eyes. Or Flashes Before Your Eyes, my apologies. We start off with a man running through the jungle and uncovering an outrigger and then paddling out into the ocean. Did you know it was Carl or just assume it was Carl? Uh, I assumed it was Carl because of the boat. Like, I was looking down at my phone typing because I always type, like, the episode title in. And I was like, I kept looking up and I was like, oh, shit, did I miss his face? And then when I saw the boat, I was like, oh, I'm just assuming that's Carl. Did you have, like, a thought on what was going on there? Not even a little bit, no. Meanwhile, all of the main characters who live on the beach, none of the extras... Follow Jack through some tall brush. 
Charlie asks if anyone has a guess on what Jack is about to show them. Hurley says it must be secret stuff. And Charlie says that they should have some openness for a change. Hurley says that they kept Naomi a secret. And Charlie says that is different. Claire asks how. And he says it's because they were not playing football with the others. Then he realizes that Desmond had another flash. He asks what he saw. And Desmond says he did not see anything. Jack announces that they have arrived. And he tells the survivors that Juliet told him a few nights ago what Ben had sent her to the camp to do. Figure out who was pregnant. Kate asks if she's been doing tests on them, and Juliet says no, but he wanted her to. She explains that she has been leaving tapes at the staff and that the others are on their way. Kind of just a lot of recap of what was discussed at the end of last week. I don't really know why they went into that much detail. She apologizes to Sun, and Saeed says he appreciates the honesty, but it does not understand why they brought them out there. Jack then calls for Danielle, who walks out of the jungle. Were you excited to see Danielle again? Yes, very. Did you kind of put it together immediately because we knew what she was at the Black Rock, or did you have to wait for the rest of the demonstration? Oh, I did not put it together immediately, no. Jack tells Danielle to show them, and she picks up two cables and touches them together, and a tree explodes. Jack says the first thing he thought when Juliet told him the others were coming was, where are we going to hide this time? But he says hiding is pointless because they're just going to keep coming. He went to get Danielle for help, Apparently, they just, like, know how to find her now. And for the last few days, she's been collecting dynamite from the Black Rock. He says for the first time, they know what the others want when they are coming, and they have no idea. So they're going to be ready for them. Juliet's going to mark the tents, and inside there will be explosives. And when the others show up tomorrow night, they stop running, they stop hiding, stop living in fear, because they're going to blow them all to hell. Thoughts on the plan? I think it's a good plan. I do feel like the demonstration was like unnecessary, but it was cool nonetheless. I feel like it's a good plan, but I don't think it's going to be as effective as they're like laying it out. I mean, obviously at the time, so I'm thinking, I was thinking it's not going to be as effective as they want it to be because it's not like the others are going to be like, okay, every single one of us is going to go into this singular tent and, and then they're going to hit. I thought, It probably could kill like maybe two to three others, but it's not going to do extensive damage. I thought this is another one of those like made for TV moments because I thought to myself, how long did it take to set up that demonstration? Right, where they could have been like rigging the camp that whole time, but instead they were rigging a tree line and then making everybody walk out to watch. Like they couldn't have just been like, uh, Danielle is here. She's come back with us and she's going to help rig our camp with explosives. And this is the plan. Like that was a lot of wasted time. I do think if for like a real world explanation or I guess in show explanation, maybe they were like, if we just demonstrate that this is actually going to like work, like wiring and everything, like Danielle knows what she's doing. We might skip the whole, well, there's no way this is going to work conversation. You know, I'm Even pretty then. sure the the there's no way this is going to work conversation would be like 10 minutes. They they like did days worth of rigging that tree line. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Also, she already has booby trapped her home before. So like someone could just be like, well, we kind of did trigger an explosion once that Danielle set up. So she probably knows what she's doing. And also, they don't know exactly where the others are. Don't you think maybe let's not cause a giant explosion to potentially alert to them, like, what's going on? We get our first flashback. 
of Charlie and Liam trying to change a flat tire on their band's van in the pouring rain. Charlie asks why they are doing this, and Liam says that they are headlining. Charlie says that they're playing in the ass end of nowhere, and Liam says that a gig is a gig, and they are building their fan base. Charlie asks if their fan base will pay for a new tire, and Liam says only if they show up. Charlie then says that he's done with the ban, and Liam asks if he's giving up. Charlie says that there's nothing to give up on. They're broke. The album's not selling. They're a joke. And one of the members of the band tells them to shut up and listen, as you all, everybody, is playing on the radio. They all start celebrating the fact that they're on the radio, and Liam picks up Charlie and tells him that they are going to be rock stars. What do you think of the flashbacks and like the choice to abandon like a story and just show some moments? I thought it was nice. I also thought it was nice to see Liam in like a a more positive light. It's been a while since we saw him not be, you know, strung out and douchey. Even though like really the last time we saw Liam, you and I had differing opinions on his last move, but it was good to see him in like a brotherly role in this episode. Mm hmm. On the island, Charlie is writing on a piece of paper describing that flashback, which I, I got to say, I thought it was weird that he started doing this greatest hits list before Naomi said they did a greatest hits album and before Desmond told him what the vision was. Yeah, I feel like that's just because of the timing of when they needed to start flashbacks in the episode, because that actually doesn't make sense to me. It does not. It would have been cool if we didn't see him making this list. Until the very last one. Yeah, maybe. Naomi asks who they're about to go to war with. And Charlie says it's a long story and asks if she would like to talk about something else. She asks if he's having a laugh. And Charlie says he would never disrespect a fellow Mancunan. She asks if he is from Manchester and he says yes. And that his band got its start at the night and day bar. I have to say, I think the Manchester accent is the only one that I could like recognize immediately it's not funny i've got school (laughs) anytime we're watching love island i'm just like they are from manchester or at least northern england yeah naomi asked what his band was called and he says it was drive shaft she says that she knows him and charlie says that they had their moment in the sun but naomi says that after the crash he became famous they did a memorial and a new album sort of a greatest hits thing, which we know he's only released two albums. So like, is it just like six songs in the first one and six in the other? It's a cash grab is what it is. Charlie smiles, but then he sees Desmond looking at him and Naomi tells him to look on the bright side. He's not actually dead. Ha ha ha. What do you think of Naomi? I like her. I think if she stuck around, she could even win Hottie of the Week. Really? One day. Yeah. You think she's going anywhere? I have no idea what's going to happen this season. She's got a boat full of people somewhere. 80 miles offshore. I don't know, man. Jack and Juliet are helping Danielle set up the trap. And Danielle says that they need more wire so they can detonate from a safe distance. Jack says that he can have people strip the wreckage. And Danielle says that they should be good to go in 24 hours and be ready by tomorrow night. That was a very telling line. Basically just like, oh, we're basically going to be putting this right up to the edge of our time limit. Which at that time, I was like, well, we saw that Mikhail runs in and and kind of brings urgency to the others. So I was like, 
I know that they could be coming earlier than that. So that started to stress me out. Sayid tells Jack that they need to talk about Naomi's phone, and Jack says not now. Sayid says that if he is mad that he doubted him, he would be happy to make a sincere apology later, but they need to talk about the phone now. And Jack again says that he's busy, but Sayid says he is trying to get them off the island, so Jack doubles back. Sayid explains that he cannot transmit with the sat phone because Danielle's transmission is overriding the frequency. He looks at Danielle and says that if she were to tell him where the signal was coming from, he could go there, switch off the message, and call for help. Danielle says that the message has been playing for 16 years and no one has heard it. What makes you think you will have better luck? Zayed says that Naomi's boat is only 80 miles offshore and he knows that he will be able to reach it. Juliet says no, he won't because the others are jamming it using a Dharma station. She says they're jamming all of the signals except for the others. Zayed asks what station and Juliet says it's called the Looking Glass, but it's underwater and she has no idea where it is. And Zayed says he thinks he does. So we're getting a lot of information here. Thoughts on another Dharma station. Okay, not surprised. Do you know what the looking glass is a reference to? For some reason, the phrase through the looking glass comes to mind, and I don't know what it's from or why it's in my mind. Through the looking glass is the sequel series to Alice in Wonderland. Ah. Alice's adventures through the looking glass. Yes, and, and, and they've got white rabbits and shit. It's how... She returns to Wonderland. There's like a portal in it. Oh. I believe a looking glass itself is just like a small mirror. Yeah. Did you question at all how Saeed knew where the station was? Uh, No, I didn't. I would think I was too busy just being annoyed with how Jack speaks to people. Because he was just like, I'm busy? He's just so rude. I feel like he's rude to Saeed. He is. But I also feel like he's a bit on edge just because of like everything going on. That's fine. He can be on edge. You don't have to be rude. Did you think it was appropriate for Saeed to be focusing on the sat phone with the others coming? Yeah. I think it's always appropriate to be focusing on how to get off the island. Like I, I was fully, fully with him on this. Even later on when they were discussing what they actually needed to do? I don't remember. Well, luckily I'll remind you. Claire asks Charlie, what if the others are coming for Aaron again? Do you think that's a factor at all? No. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, oh, the opportunity has presented itself. Let's just grab that baby real quick. But I don't think that's their like goal. Charlie says that he's going to protect both of them and everything will be fine. Cue Desmond coming in saying he needs to talk to Charlie. They walk away from Claire and Charlie asks if he is ready to say what he saw. Desmond said yes. And Charlie asks how he dies this time. Des hesitates, and Charlie says that he can take it. Desmond then says he saw Claire and Aaron get into a helicopter, one that takes off and leaves the island. Charlie asks if he is sure he saw if it was on that beach on that island. Desmond says yes. Charlie says that they're going to get rescued and that this is great, and he thought he was going to tell him he was going to die again. Desmond says he is. Charlie is confused, and Desmond tells him that if he does not die, there will be no rescue. He says he's sorry, but this time he has to die. Thoughts? Well, that's exactly what I said. I said he's going to die and it's going to be a heroic death. The one thing that never really made sense to me with this is if Charlie's death is the linchpin in this operation, what would have happened if he died the first time? Yeah, I don't know. 
Or is it the fact that Desmond had the ability to stop all of those deaths that he got him there? Yeah, maybe. Because like you said, with the one with the parachute, it was like that those flashes actually showed that Charlie survived that. So I don't know. But with this one, I think it's just because he knows that the button has to be or whatever. The signal has to be turned off and that's how he dies. But if he doesn't, then blah, blah, blah. We get a nice little flashback of Charlie learning how to swim at a community pool. I do want to just quickly point out that his father says, I will catch you, and then completely whiffs, but eventually fishes him out of the water. He doesn't whiff. He lies. Why let him jump in and, like, go under and then, like, pull him out? If you were going to, like, make him swim, make him swim. No, it's not about that. It's about, it's, like, getting him over the fear. I don't agree with it. I actually was watching it and was like, I know he's lying to his kid right now and that's not okay. But the end result is that Charlie has this confidence now. Oh, I did it. I did it. Even though his dad didn't actually catch him. It's like when you're teaching a kid to ride a bike and you go, I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let go. And then you let go and then they do it on their own and you go, you did it. Is that how you're going to teach your kid to ride a bike? No. How will you teach your kid? I've already taught a kid how to ride a bike and I didn't have to lie to them to do it. Should we tell the story of how I learned how to ride a bike? I don't remember how you learned how to ride a bike. I didn't learn how to ride a bike until I was like 10 or 12 years old. And you and dad, like when we when we finally like sat down, and we're like, we're going to teach me how to ride a bike. You kept saying like, oh, just pretend like your bike is an X-wing fighter. I don't remember that. But like you guys really... We're trying to get me how to ride a bike. I think just because you wanted someone to ride with you. And dad was probably just like, you're fucking 10 years old. But it was like brutal because I just would not listen to you. And I was very scared. And then I remember just being home alone one day. Like, I think it was like the next day. And I was like, I'm just going to go try this. And I figured it out. And then you guys came home and I was just riding the bike. And you were so mad that I was like a pain in the ass the day before. And then I just figured it out immediately. I also was really a lot older than the average age when I learned how to ride a bike because I was very scared. But then it just got to the point where like my friends would want to ride bikes and I just kept lying and saying, I don't like riding bikes. And I was just embarrassed. So I just kind of learned. Hmm. You still ride a bike? I've been on e-bikes recently, but I haven't been on an actual bike in a really long time. You forget? No. Well, they say it's, it's you never forget. Yeah, I've heard that. You know, like elephants, great bike riders. Oh my gosh. Move on. Charlie updates his list and Desmond asks what it is. Charlie says it's nothing and then asks how he's going to die. Desmond asks if he's sure he wants to know. It may be easier if he doesn't. Charlie says that he is sure. Would you want to know how you were going to die? Yeah. Why? I don't like I don't like to not know things. If I had the option to know, I'm not going to like seek it out. But if someone right next to me knows how I'm going to die, I'm going to ask. If someone was like, I know how you're going to die, but they don't tell you when, would you, you would want to know? It's not that I would want to know. It's that I would have to know. Would you have to know when you were going to die? Would you rather know when you're going to die or how you're going to die? If you had, if you had to choose. When? Why is that? Because if you know how you're going to die and it's something, but you don't know when, and it's something that's like you 
you come across all the time. You're like, oh, you're going to die in a car accident, but you have no idea when. It's like, oh, I'm just never going to get in a car again. Like, that's not, that's no way to live. Mm. But if I know when I'm going to die, I'm going to live it up. I remember listening to, I think it was like a sports podcast and they were just like having like this stupid like tangent and they were like, would you give a year of your life if it meant that your team won a Super Bowl right now? And he said, yes. And one of his friends was like, what if he just died right then? <laughs> would you? For the same? No. I, I would give a year of my life for us to win this weekend. I wouldn't. No? I'd give a year of my life for the Lions to win the Super Bowl this year. I would like a national championship, and I feel like Michigan's our biggest roadblock. I also cannot live in a world where we lose again after all of the shit talk that these idiots have been doing online. I'm mad about the the advanced scouting too, people, but let's not sit here and pretend like we know for a fact that that was the deciding factor. Because after all the shit we're talking, if we lose on Saturday, we're just going to be the laughing stock. Yeah. Um, I would say our biggest roadblock to a national championship is our quarterback, but I meant like team. <laughs> I think our this our team is the biggest roadblock. He's played well the last two weeks. Our offense putting up numbers. Not well enough. Such a such a Kyle McCord hater. Would you rather Kyle McCord or JT Barrett? JT Barrett. Legit. Well, he was the greatest quarterback of all time. We have enough talent around him that we don't need McCord to be anything special. He just needs to be a game manager and not turn the ball over. That's it. We'll see. Editing Zane here. I was right. Kyle McCord turning the ball over did cost us that game. And every single member of the Lauren Gets Lost team has been miserable ever since. But the good news is Kyle McCord transferred, so yay. I'll make you a deal, Lauren. No. You didn't want to make a little bet real quick? No. No bet? You didn't even have a bet. I doubt I'm going to accept. Go ahead. If the Lions win the Super Bowl. No. Why? We're not going to win the Super Bowl, bro. Okay, well then make this bet with me. Oh my God, what? If the Lions win the Super Bowl, this is going to make it so every Lauren Gets Lost listener becomes a Lions fan. You're welcome. If the Lions win the Super Bowl, you have to do the Walking Dead podcast. (laughs) Okay, but there's no like alternate. Like that's it? Like a different show? No, no, no. I'm saying like, oh, but if they don't, then... No, because it's it's perfect for you. You either get a Super Bowl and have to do the podcast or don't have to do the podcast, but don't get a Super Bowl. How many seasons? Okay, I'll agree to it because I, I'm a realistic person and like, why do I, why am I getting, I really don't want to do this podcast. <laughs> um, How many seasons is The Walking Dead? 11. But, oh my but, God. But the first season is only six episodes and seasons two through nine are only 16 episodes is it like a show where we would have to do one episode an episode or it could be like double up or something we we could probably double up especially towards like the seventh and eighth season they just kind of start to suck and like all blend together so you could do like three four episodes in a row oh my god okay i'll i'll take your bet because i'm a realistic person but i'm not i really don't want to regret this because 
No, there's no way. Well, I don't want to say that. Like, let it, let it, the record show that you've accepted this bet. Okay, I'll accept the bet. Somebody today, after we won, commented, "I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the Lions are going to win the next five Super Bowls." <laughs> <laughs> you know, got through three picks today. Yeah, it wasn't his best game, but when it came down to it, he showed up and he got us there, and it was great. I'm gonna be the biggest fucking Lions fan for the rest of the year. I'm excited for tomorrow. Super Bowl rematch. Mm. People are like talking about like, oh, what's Taylor gonna wear to the game? Like, cause she's an Eagles fan, but she's dating Travis Kelsey. I'm like, is she gonna be fucking there? There's a lot of shit going on in Brazil. Yeah. I don't know anything about that. But like she's she's on tour. Didn't she delay? She postponed the second Rio show because of the weather. I don't know when it got postponed to, though. I thought it was Monday. I, do, I don't know. That girl is a badass. Fucking okay. singing a 10-minute song and just chucking water bottles into the crowd. Yeah. Travis doesn't deserve her. What? Why are you such a hater? I just I don't like them. I have actually, I have nothing against it. And I've seen people speculate that it's like a PR relationship. And as a romance reader, I would actually love that. That actually makes me ship them more because everybody knows that a fake dating situation is where you can really fall in love. I have seen people basically say that Taylor Swift is real life Evelyn Hugo. That's so obnoxious. I'm so sick of people talking about her in relation to men. Like this woman has done so many more amazing things than like date men oh you're saying because she's I, gay yeah you, you think she's gay <laughs> spoiler alert for <laughs> um yeah you, you and fucking Kate have both just completely misinterpreted when i've said that because she was just like are you kidding me evelyn hugo is like hispanic and curvy and a sex icon taylor swift's none of those things and i just kind of stared at her for like two minutes and she's like oh gay and i was like yeah well, it's just, I've heard that rhetoric so much and I, I don't like, if that is the case, like she obviously doesn't want people to know. So I just feel like people should stop speculating on that. I don't know. Just let her like sing her songs and shut up. I have no idea where we were. So give me a second. I don't here. either. I don't, <laughs> what show are we doing? Um, so Rick kills a walker and then he tells Carl. No, Stop I'm it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> You're so going to do it. Are you good? I just want you to picture in February when Jared Goff throws the, the winning touchdown pass to Donovan Peoples Jones, who they traded for. He is not getting the winning <laughs> touchdown pass of the Super Bowl. Are you? It's Amon Ra all day. Fine. When Jameer Gibbs punches it in from the one yard line and they win the Super Bowl, I want you to know that while you're hugging Andrew and celebrating and all that shit, you're going to get a phone call immediately. I'm going to decline. <laughs> hey, hey, Lauren gets lost, fans. Show your lion's pride. What's it called? What's it? What hashtag one pride? Yeah, I, if if they if our fans start randomly tagging us and stuff where they're like becoming Lions fans watching the Lions games, like I'll go and then this actually happens. I'll go so strong into this Walking Dead podcast, but you guys I, better show up for my team. 
I want the the lion's l- logo of the lion that Lauren is wearing. I want the Dharma initiative symbol around it. I oh. want that. I want someone to make that for us. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hashtag one pride. Let's go lions. The reason <laughs> the, the, we got here because I asked if you would want to know how you were going to die. <laughs> oh, geez. Anyway, Desmond tells him that there's a that he's going to be inside a hatch. There's a room full of clip equipment with a blinking yellow light he flips the switch the light turns off and then he drowns charlie nods his head and asks when this will happen and desmond says he does not know charlie asks if he is sure he saw claire and aaron get on the helicopter and desmond says yes charlie says before he drowns all he has to do is flip a switch desmond says yes and charlie asks where it is are you surprised at all that charlie does not hesitate when he's told his fate no. Why is that? I could tell just by the way what they were doing with his character that that this is how he'd go out because I'm telling like I know he dies. Sure. That is that is a spoiler that I have in my head. You think so, you have in your head. And I've known that they have been redeeming his character slowly, which I think is the way that you should do it, not just like, oh, he was piece of shit, piece of shit, and then he dies heroically and everyone's like, Well, like I think they've done a good job with his character arc. And so, yeah, I think a heroic death for Claire is is exactly the way to send him out for Claire and everyone else. Aaron. It's like a full circle because, you know, in the moth, you know, he goes into the cave. It's like it's like the same thing, but on a much bigger scale. Are you still do you still think the moth is like one of your favorite episodes? I don't remember anything about that. I can't believe I was able to reference that right now. That's shocking. It's probably because I took my Ritalin. <laughs> <laughs> he weren't recording last week during that part. Lauren, oh. <laughs> Lauren takes Ritalin now for her ADHD. It's actually my first day ever taking it. And that's a complete joke because it's like almost seven o'clock and at night now. It's definitely worn off. It. Like, I take it in the morning, I'm back to being a disaster. But it was interesting. Like, I felt a little bit of something. Hmm. I gotta get me some of that. Said has blueprints of the looking glass station from, I'm assuming, the binder that they found at the flame. He asks if Julia can tell him anything about the station, and she says that she has never been down there, and she does not know anyone that has. She says that there was an accident, and Ben said the whole station is flooded. Jack asks if it's flooded, then how come it still works? And Saeed says that's irrelevant. Saeed says what they need to know is how to turn it off. And he points out that there's a cable connected to the station, and he has no doubt that it is the wire that they have found on the beach down a ways. Jack asks how they're supposed to get in, and Saeed says they can swim in through the moon pool. Swim in, turn off the equipment. Jack asks, what about swimming out? And Saeed's silence is very loud here. Jack immediately says no, he's not going to let him go on a suicide mission to turn off the switch. And Saeed says that someone has to or they're never going to leave the island. Charlie volunteers. Jack says he doesn't even know what they're talking about. And Charlie says he's just going to swim down, turn it off, swim back up. He was a swimming champion back in England, and he can hold his breath for over four minutes. Saeed and Jack exchange looks, but Jack says there's no need to figure this out now. Not with the others on their way. We'll focus on that and then figure it out later. Syed says they have a real chance to get rescued. And Jack says for 90 days, people have been asking for him to make decisions. And he just made one. 
thoughts? I don't like, I, I feel like it was hard for me to have an opinion on this because it's just like, it's one of those things in shows where you're like, oh, they're like, we're not going to do this. But it's like, you know, they're going to do it. But I understand where Jack was coming from. Like, it's that whole classic argument. Like, do you sacrifice the few to save the many? Like Vision and Endgame. Sure. In Infinity War. Sorry, wrong movie. Um, thoughts on Saeed's willingness to die? That tracks for him. Really? Yeah, but I wouldn't want that to happen. I'm fine with Charlie dying. Not fine with Saeed dying. Although they've done like nothing with his character since Shannon died. And that's really upsetting to me. I would love to get him back with some actual depth, but I'm, I'm kind of losing hope on that. I feel like he had some stuff going on with when he was interrogating Henry Gale and then his little back and forth with Ana Lucia there for a bit, which by the way, subscribe to the Lauren gets lost YouTube channel for that. (laughs) That's fucking fanfic. Yeah, I guess I should. It honestly, it's more so since Ana Lucia died and the Henry Gale thing ended, they haven't really, like, I've said this before. He's just there as, like, the this, this skeptical voice. And, you know, that's that's kind of it. I, I love him to love again. There's just a lot of characters on this show. And I guess, say you just didn't get a lot of focus in this season, unfortunately. Yeah. There's always season four if he makes it to it. Don't say that. Rose has returned, and she and Bernard argue about knots. Rose, of course, wins. And Jin asks Sun when she is going to tell him what Juliet said on the tape. Sun tells him that she saw the baby on the ultrasound. Jin asks if the baby is okay, and Sun says it is healthy. Two questions here. Now that she knows that Jin is the father... Do you think she'll ever tell him about Jaylee? No. Do you think she should tell him about her impending death? <laughs> does she know there's a plan in place to get, like, does she know about the sat phone? Yeah, Naomi was at the small council meeting the night before. I wouldn't say a word. I would just, fingers crossed, we get out of here. Hurley spots the outrigger arrive on the beach. Carl gets out and comes running towards the survivors. And in a perfect open field tackle, Saeed lays the wood. Someone get that man on a roster. I mean, <laughs> that kid's like 17 and Saeed is a soldier. It's an open field tackle. Do you know how many corners I've watched whiff on that? Okay. You got to break down. Don't let them get around you. Okay. Sawyer tells him to get off of Carl. Saeed says that he's an other and Sawyer says that he was in the cage next to him. He asks what Carl is doing there and Carl tells him that the others are coming. Sawyer says, sorry you wasted a trip, but we already know. And Carl asks why they're still there. Sawyer says, when the others arrive tomorrow night, they will be ready. And Carl tells him that the others aren't coming tomorrow night. They're coming tonight. They're coming right now. Thoughts? I gave Carl MVP right here. So I was like, nice, Carl. Awesome. I loved the dramatics of this scene. It was very intense. It It was cool. What do you think was running through Carl's mind when he's like sprinting towards them and he just sees Saeed barreling towards him as well? He's like, well, whatever. They are really excited to hear what I have to say. <laughs> what did you think at this point they were going to do? Because like they didn't, you they we already know they don't have the time because of the whole we need 24 hours thing. Uh, I didn't think. I just waited for them to tell me. Six hours ago, Alex was skinning a rabbit as Ben returned to camp. 
that I was like, what is she doing? And then I was like, oh no. Do you think it had a number on it? What's with you in the numbers? Who cares? Just because like, it was, whatever. Do you think there are wild rabbits on that island? Or are they, do they just like have rabbits that they're killing? No, they're breeding rabbits. She asked when Ben got back. And he says just now. She asks where Locke is. And he pulls out the gun that he gave Locke and hands it back to her, which she sheepishly takes it. Richard asks what's going on. And Ben immediately asks for Ryan, saying it is time to grab the women. Richard says the plan was for tomorrow, but Ben says Jacob wants it done tonight. Richard asks what happened in the jungle and if John saw anything, and Ben tells him that Locke had an accident. He calls for Ryan and asks how long it would take for them to get to the beach camp. And he says if they got moving now with his 10 best, they would get there by nightfall. So Ben tells him to go. Richard says that moving up the schedule means Juliet might not be ready and they will not know which women to take. So Ben says they will take all of the women and sort it out later. Brian asks what about the men, and Ben says if any of them are stupid enough to get in their way, kill them. Alex watches all this go down and then runs to Carl. He asks if she brought the rabbit, and she says Ben is sending Pierce to the survivor's camp, and he has to warn them. Carl said he thought he was just taking the pregnant women, and Alex tells him to take the outrigger and they can beat him there. Carl tells her to wait, but Alex says that they are going to kill them, and Kate and Sawyer saved his life. They owe them. She gives him the gun. And Carl says if he gets caught this time, her father will kill him. But she asks if Ben is actually her dad. She kisses him and tells him to go. And we get the same scene we saw before. Thoughts on Alex going rogue here? Well, this is when I updated. They're now co-MVPs because it's really her that that put this in motion. Go Alex. Love it. And I like that they just put in that little reminder of, hey, by the way, Alex is kind of keyed into this now, and I'm hoping we're going to get what I want. You think it'll happen in the finale because Rousseau's in play, Alex is in play? I would love that, and I'm still preparing myself for devastation. (laughs) After Carl finishes telling his story, Jack asks if that was everything, and he says yes. He turns to Kate and asks if they can trust him, and Carl says they can't trust Juliet. She's a spy. (laughs) Which I (laughs) like. Juliet fucking cracked me up when she's like, they know, but thanks. Yeah, that was pretty good. Hurley asks what the plan is now, and Sun suggests that they leave. Bernard says it's their island. They will find them eventually. And Jack says it's going to get dark soon and asks if they have enough wire. Danielle says not even close. And he says that they're going to need a different way to detonate the, the trap. Said says they can shoot the tents, camouflage the dynamite, and shoot at it from the tree lines. Jack says we need three shooters. Carl pulls his gun and offers it up, which really made me laugh here. <laughs> that was such a good, like, he's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like, no one else even reacts. That made me laugh. It is interesting to me that no one, like, patted him down. Yeah, but I don't know. I guess with Sawyer vouching for him immediately. Yeah, I think it kind of just distracted everybody. Danielle offers herself up as the third shooter. Jack says that they will take her gun, but she is not staying. She is going to lead all of them, yes, all of them, to the radio tower. Claire questions the fact that there's a radio tower, and Jack says if the plan does not work, they cannot lose the chance to get a hold of Naomi's boat, so everything has to happen at the same time. Jack asks if Charlie is still up for a swim, and Charlie says yes, and Desmond volunteers to go with him. And then Jack tells everyone to get ready. 
So this is a very like season finale build up moment. We got three different plans going into place all at the same time. Do you agree with this? Yeah, I actually I feel like it's a good plan. We need three shooters. Obviously, we know who it is, but at this point in time, did you have a theory on who the three would be? I thought it would be... Actually, I don't think I thought past Saeed. Not even, like, Kate or Sawyer? Kate's aim sucks. That's true. I don't think she's ever hit anything. (laughs) I feel like Sawyer, maybe, but Sawyer, like, he knows how to work a gun, but that doesn't... Like, accuracy and just, like, experience, that's two different things. Yeah. Did you think Jack was going to be one of them? No. Liam wakes up Charlie from a post-threesome sleep, which was just a lovely image. Mm. He tells him it's Christmas morning, and since he is the only drug-free rock star in the world, he's going to tell him a little secret. Father Christmas lives here because Finland is the North Pole. He says, therefore, a special present for Charlie this year. He takes off the DS ring, but Charlie tells him that it's his. Their mother gave it to him because he is the firstborn. We learn that it's a family heirloom passed down from father to father. And that is why the band is named after Dexter Stratton, which I just assumed the ring meant drive shaft. Liam says that they both know that he is a mess, but Charlie is different. He is going to get married and have a family. Ironic. Liam says that he'll be lucky if he hits 30. And Charlie tells him not to say that. Liam says the ring has to stay in the family and asks him to take it, saying their mom would want it that way. He tells him to pass it on to his children. He just needs to know that it's safe. Charlie says that he will hold on to it, but he will not take it. And then he puts it on and says it fits. And then Liam wishes him a happy Christmas. I like happy Christmas more than Merry Christmas. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I think it's fun. I wish we said that. Yeah. Also, Father Christmas is better than Santa Claus. I don't I don't have any problems with Santa Claus. Really? Yeah, Will you, children who listen turn away. Will you tell your child that Santa is real? Yeah. I'm not gonna deprive my kids of the magic of Christmas. How did you find out Santa's not real? I told mom and dad. You told mom and dad. Is that how they found out? yeah i informed them i remember they might be able to tell a more accurate version of this story but i remember sitting down at the kitchen table and i said it just doesn't make sense how is he supposed to get to every single house there's millions of homes and not every home has a chimney how does he get inside just not enough time just doesn't make sense and they were like yeah, because he's not real. And then I guess I was like, so does that mean like the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy, all that? They're like, yep, not real. And I said, that makes sense. And they're like, don't tell your brother. I was <laughs> like, got it. I remember you cried. I did cry. I remember being like, I thought I thought I would outsmart them because like they were kind of like hinting that like he wasn't real. But they were like, well, we'll never tell you because we don't want to ruin it. And I remember just being like, look, I know he's not real. You can tell me. I was like trying to like fake him out. Like being like, I know he's not real. Tell me just so they'd be like, no, he actually is real. And then they told me, I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, you're th- much, you're much more sensitive of a child than I was. Oh, absolutely. I don't think I've ever heard a sadder 
like learning the truth story than dads. I don't know that story. You don't know that story? I don't think so. Okay, so for the record, our dad is the eighth of nine children. And he he basically <laughs> our grandpa has been known to like call for one of the sons you know steve matt whoever the hell you are so a lot of things slipped through the cracks when it came to the kids dad found out that santa wasn't real when they told the only child younger than him santa wasn't real and he just happened to be standing there wait but brian is four years younger than dad so he must have been like pretty old i don't know well, I guess the those are the day and age. Like this, it's not like there's the internet to ruin everything for you. So, kids are probably not that the internet ruined it for us, but yeah. You <laughs> sitting on Google? Is there a wheel? Well, no. I'm just saying. I feel like kids now, everybody's like online, so you would. But I, I feel like it's mostly just other kids who already know that like ruin it for you in school. Did you get a lot of that? Because I remember, I remember the hot debate: Is Santa real every year? Oh, I don't remember at all. I never understood Christmas movies where the parents are just like, you know, Santa's not real, and then like they wake up Christmas morning and there's just like a shit ton of presents that they didn't buy. Yeah, I don't know. It's for the children. So, did this scene get you emotional at all? What scene are we talking about? The Happy Christmas. That one, no. 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 But one did? Yeah. Multiple. One of the flashbacks? No. Mm. One got me a little 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 choked up. We haven't hit it yet. Charlie finishes writing down the flashback and smiles, thinking about his brother. He rubs his ring and then walks over to Claire to help her pack. Claire asks why he didn't tell her that he was doing this, and he says he did not want her to worry, but Claire says it's going to be dangerous. Charlie says it's what needs to be done so they can all go home. And he says that he will be fine, but asks her to promise not to worry about her while he is gone. Claire says, okay. And Aaron begins crying and Charlie takes him. Claire thanks him as he lays Aaron down and tells him to take care of his mother. Aaron touches his face and Charlie kisses him and tells him that he loves him. And then Charlie tells Claire that he will see her soon and Claire tells him to be careful. He says, okay. They share a kiss. And then Charlie walks away from his found family. Thoughts? That was, kind of, that was sad. Yeah. So it'll happen later. But the implication here is that Charlie sees Aaron as his son. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with the sentiment? Because I believe you have said maybe once or twice, you know, not that often. That's not your baby. I feel like I don't hate it. You know, they're together and he helps as much as, or if not more than many dads do, I think it's okay. I'm not going to be mad about it. As long as Claire is okay with it, I'm okay with it. This is the one that got me a little choked up. I don't know why. As Charlie is singing Wonderwall, the skies open up and it begins to rain. Charlie packs up, and as he's walking home, he passes an alleyway where he hears a woman calling for help. She's being mugged. Charlie runs at them and tells the man to stop, and then he hits the thief with his guitar case, which, that would put me on my ass. <laughs> Those things are massive. 
Yeah, but they're like hollow. It's not like it's got the guitar in it. Yeah, but I don't think it'd be that bad. He's also but... like running at him with it. There's some force behind that. Let me run at you with a guitar case. So let's see what happens. When am I gonna see you next? Never. I'll see you eventually. Probably not. No, this is that's it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have any plans. <laughs> Okay, so when you have your kid, you know. <laughs> Jeez. I have a question. Yeah. Can I get out? Okay, say the Lions win the Super Bowl. Okay. But I have a baby. Right. Can I get out of this fucking Walking Dead podcast? You can have maternity leave. Ugh. What if I name my kid Zane? I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. You know what? I'll tell you what. You name your kid Zane, you get out of it, and I'll give you $100. Only $100? Well, you're getting out of the podcast, too. That's worth, like, three grand. Three grand? Where where do you come up with these numbers? The calculations. We have made $41 on this podcast. Speaking of which, this is a reminder. Give us some money. Someone tagged the TikTok account. And like, uh, we made glass for our podcast the other day. And I, and I don't know if they were like telling us to make like a glass, but the Lauren gets lost logo on it. So we haven't made a cent off anybody. We're not going to make merch. Yeah. Subscribe. We have like, we have like five consistent fans. I don't think we're going to do well in the merch department. I did think it would be cool to like get you a, a, like a custom t-shirt with the logo on it for christmas but then i was like i think i'd like that more i've thought about getting it for you for christmas but i don't know your shirt size and i didn't want to ask so i wasn't gonna get it for you i also don't know how to do that xl for shirts if you wanted to get me a hoodie i know it's gonna be more expensive double xl okay what do you want for christmas i don't know as i once said i want things Stop buying me plane tickets. Oh, I, I want nothings. Um, <laughs> I was listening to Kate and her mom talk about holiday plans recently. And she was just like, yeah, I, th- I think we're going to do family Christmas on that day. And I was like, so I need to start throwing up the day before. <laughs> <laughs> so Charlie tells the thief to leave her alone and the man runs away. He asks the woman if she is okay, and Nadia says yes. I love how much Nadia just randomly pops up in flashbacks. It's like, I hope they're going to do something with her eventually. Like, if they ever do actually get off the island, like, I hope there's something there. Because they keep reminding us that she exists. But, like, is it? will it be all for naught? Lock it in now. Where does Nadia pop up next? I hope it's that they get off the island next season because i i feel like that's another spoiler that i have in my brain is like i know they get off the island but i don't know who all gets off the island i think i only know that jack and kate do so who else do you think or want to get off the island well i hope everybody gets off the island except for Locke. you want it so bad stay there bitch what about rose and bernard uh sure what about him oh because she's like sick they want to stay because she has cancer yeah okay fine stay then about steve uh isn't he dead no i think scott's dead are you sure okay i'll make you a bet right now i think steve is dead if scott is the one that is 
alive and Steve is dead, you have to do the Once Upon a Time podcast. Stop <laughs> doing this. I've already watched that show. Oh, shit, you're right. Uh, Scott's dead. What did I say? He said Steve's <laughs> dead. Charlie hands her the purse and says that he has not been in a fight since he was a child and he lost, and Nadia says that that makes him more of a hero. Charlie says he did what any other person would do, and Nadia says that three others walked by and saw what was happening and kept going. She tells him that he is a hero and not to let anyone tell him otherwise. Especially when he's kidnapping that baby. Right, you're a hero. It's the heroic thing. Anyone would have done it. Charlie finishes writing number two, leaning against the outrigger, and he asks what Desmond is making, and he says it's a weight belt to help him get further down. Every second counts, he says, and Charlie recaps the plan, and Desmond asks how long he can really hold his breath for, and Charlie asks if it even matters. Now is the time where I will remind you, in Season 1, Episode 5, White Rabbit, when Joanna was drowning, Charlie said to Jack, I would go in myself, but I don't know how to swim. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Bernard has passed his audition for the role of second shooter. Rose objects, saying that this is not pheasant hunting, but Bernard says he will be okay. He will shoot the tent and be right behind her. Rose says that she will stay too, but Jack says no. He tells her everyone is gathering down by the beach and no one will stay behind except for the shooters. Rose says that if he gives her his word that nothing will happen to her husband, she will leave. And Jack gives her his word that if they do not kill all the others on their way, it will not matter where Bernard is. Rose says that she likes him more since he got back because he is almost an optimist and then takes Bernard to change into something dark. Jack says that Saeed better get going as it's a day's walk to the tower. And Saeed says he's not going. Jack is. Jack says that this was his plan. And Saeed says he is suited to see it through. Jack says that he owes them. And Saeed asks if he is more concerned with killing the others or getting them off the island. Saeed says that he said that he was the leader and now it is time to act that way. He tells them to lead them to the radio tower and take us all home. Thoughts? I'm like, Jack... Said is a literal soldier. He's got it. I I just don't. What is the argument here? He just he's so sometimes he's just so stubborn for no reason. It is a little strange that Said's like, we have really got to do this phone thing. Like this is a priority, and then he's like, but uh, you guys got it. I just think like he knows their strengths. And Jax is leading apparently. Yeah, and being an asshole. Do you accept Jack as the leader yet? Because you have basically been like unofficial. He's not the leader. I mean, sure. He's the leader quote. Do I love it? No. Shocked that Bernard is the second shooter? Not shocked, but all that emphasis on like him potentially dying made me think like, is he going to die? Would you be sad? I not really he's never in it but it's just kind of like well there's the rest of the tailies they're all gone if they kill him i feel like don't do it because of rose like let's why do that to her but it kind of felt like they were getting ready to kill him off why is jack so hell-bent on killing the others uh maybe juliet has been telling him lots of dirty deets and he's like wow these people suck all of them 
don't know. We've gotten to know the others a little bit. You like Tom. Yeah, I don't want Tom to die. How do you feel about Richard? I Richard better not die because I need to know so many more things about that man. But like, other than that, his personality. What do you think of Richard? I don't know. I don't and know obviously, about. there's Alex. I don't actually, now that um, Pickett and Colleen are gone, I actually can't name an other that I'm like, I hope they die. I don't even want Ben to die. I really like him as a character. I think it'll just be like random others that get injured and or killed in this excursion. That's not the right word, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody important is going to die. And if they kill Tom, I'm out. You're done. No, I'm not. But I'll be really upset. Remember when Tom kidnapped a kid? He's going to have to take the boy. It's true. But like from what we've learned about the others, Ben sucks. And like Ethan was a creep. But like, is anyone else really that bad? Jack seemed like he made some friends there. So why is it's just a little strange to me that he's just like, got to kill them all. I think he's just sick of them terrorizing them all the time. Like they crash on this island. They're just trying to survive and they're being like hunted. I understand the frustration. If Ben died or lost power, do you think the others would still be coming after them as much as they are? No, because I think he's the one driving this whole like pregnancy thing. Seems like it might be better off just killing Ben. I don't think they're going to do that, though. Hurley runs down to the boat saying he heard what they are doing and he wants to go with. He says he's sick of trekking. This is now the third season in a row that Hurley has to walk into the jungle. And explosions, and he is a good paddler. And Charlie says he cannot go. Hurley asks why, and Charlie has to airbud this situation. He tells him he's too big and he won't fit in the boat. Hurley says that was uncool and goes to leave. And Charlie tells him to wait and hugs him. Hurley says he doesn't even want to go. And Charlie says he will catch up with him later and to remember that he loves him. Hurley says, whatever, love you too, and leaves. This made me the most sad. Yeah? Yeah. Do you think Charlie should have told anyone that he wasn't planning on coming back? No. Or do, do you wish that he had, like, another moment with anyone else? No. No? Are you insinuating Locke? Because no. No, not Locke. I mean, because, like, Echo's dead, and that's it. There are only three people that I could, like, want to have him have a moment with. Two of them are kind of a stretch. Um, I wish that he would have had, like, one more scene with Jack and Kate. Because, like, they're the ones that, like, went on that first trip together back in the pilot when they went to the fuselage. Although, I'm pretty sure at this point, Dominic Monaghan and Evangeline Lilly had broken up. And, like, that's why they didn't have a lot of scenes together. They dated? Yeah. Ew. What? You have yeah. to tell me about more of the tea of the behind the scenes cast shit because of all of the men, she dated him? I didn't realize it would be such a big reaction there. Ew. Um, but the other person I wish that Charlie had a moment with was Saeed. Because like he's had a lot of scenes with Saeed. Like they the first the pilot episode, they like were hanging out on the beach together. And then like after he killed Ethan, Saeed's kind of the one that like talked him through it. They went on two jungle trips to three jungle trips together in the pilot when Aaron got kidnapped, when they were looking for the weather balloon, Saeed can or trusted him with the whole Henry Gales in the hatch thing. I just feel like they had a lot of time together and it would have been nice to see one last scene together. 
I feel like that's all a stretch. I think he had, because you can't just like, at at some point you're going to be desensitized to the moments. I think the moments he had were impactful and you don't need to stretch it out. That's true. That's true. Jack checks with the extras to make sure that they all have water. And Kate joins him saying, here we go again, making Jack laugh. Juliet joins saying all the tents are marked. And he asks if they have a third shooter. And we see Jin telling Sun that he is staying behind. Thoughts on Jin being the third shooter? Makes sense. Still don't know about his long distance aim, though. Like, I mean, maybe he just has it. I, Who else is going to have it? I don't know. We have three guns, two rifles, and a pistol. Everyone knows rifles are more accurate because of the longer barrel. Who should get the pistol? Side. Hurley and Vincent check in with Aaron and Claire. Claire says that she's okay and grabs Aaron, saying they're going for a walk. And the camera pan reveals that Charlie left Aaron the ring in the crib. That made me sad. Yeah. Yeah. Because I already knew, like, when they showed the flashback with the ring, I knew he was going to give it to Aaron slash Claire. But it made me sad that they left it behind. I just hope that they return and, like, that she's able to get it. If Charlie doesn't make it out of it and they see the ring in the crib, do you think they'll take that as a sign that he knew? Because Claire knows about the visions. Yeah, I think she'll I think she'll put two and two together. How do you think she'd react? She'll cry. What, do you think she'd be mad at him at all? Yeah, but like, how do you be mad at a dead person? Easily. A lot of people are mad at dead people. Yeah, but I think it's, it's just going to be like, she'll know like that that he did it to save her and Aaron. Are you happy to know that someone grabbed Vincent? <laughs> oh my gosh. And the leash. Not just that they had him. They had him on a leash. I really appreciated that. Charlie and Des beach the outrigger and find the cable. They place it alongside the boat and start heading out to the station. And they use the cable to pull themselves out. We've seen this cable a lot. It's kind of one of the original mysteries. Satisfied knowing what it is for now? Sure. I didn't really give it a thought. Do you think they just put that cable in the sand and they're like, we'll figure it out later? Or do you think they like always knew that they were going to go here? I I don't know. Last flashback. The night of the crash, Charlie walked around the wreckage when he saw Claire. He offered her his blanket and she said that she already had one. And he told her that she is warming for two and gave it to her. She thanks him and he sits with her. He asks if this is her first plane crash and she asks what gave it away. And he says, you can always spot the newbies. He says they will be okay. And she asks if they, if he's sure they are. He says that they are alive on a beautiful island, sleeping under the stars until a helicopter arrives to take them home. She asks if they really think they will find them. He asks why they wouldn't. She thanks him and they introduce themselves to each other. And Charlie finishes writing his lists on the present day with the number one thing being the night I met you. Thoughts? Sweet. It's like, come on, dude. You're you're already with her. You're not going to get anything out of this list. What are you sucking up for? Oh, don't be mean. Uh, have Have you turned around on the Claire Charlie ship at all? I feel like it's fine. I, I actually like that they haven't been like shoving it down my throat. Like, I feel yeah. like it's just the right amount and it's like it's there and it's fine. Do you understand the people that say it's their favorite ship? No, not even a little bit. Why? <laughs> what is wrong with you people? The boat is above the Dharma station and Charlie gives Desmond the note. 
He tells him to give it to Claire for him. Desmond takes it and asks what it is. And Charlie says it's the five best moments of his sorry excuse for a life. He says they are his greatest hits, his memories. Desmond says he doesn't have to do this. He could go. Charlie asks about his flashes. And Desmond says that maybe he's seeing how Charlie dies because he is supposed to take his place. Don't really know how that works with like the lightning bolt one. Charlie asks, what about Penny? And Desmond asks, what about Claire? And he says, maybe I'm just luckier than you. Desmond tells him to keep his memories to himself and he will take it from there. And Charlie says he does not know what to say. And Desmond says he can tell him where the weight belt is. Charlie says it's behind him and then hits him in the head with an oar. He sticks the paper in his shirt and tells him that they both know he is not supposed to take his place. Charlie takes the weight belt around his hand, takes a deep breath, and one last look at Desmond, and he is into the water. Charlie swims down, ditching the weight belt, and based off of the amount of air bubbles coming from him, most of his breath. He struggles to find the moon pole, but once he finally does, he is greeted with a huge breath. The station is not flooded. He pulls himself up onto the platform and celebrates the fact that he is alive, and almost immediately a door opens and two others come storming out with guns aimed at him. And that is how the episode ends. Wow. Did not expect that. No. Who are those people? I don't I don't understand. Thoughts on Desmond's attempted sacrifice and then Charlie not letting him? I was starting to like really freak out because I was like, what if I'm misremembering and Desmond is the one who dies? Because I was like, what if as because I I remember this from being a kid, but what if I just mixed up to the two guys with accents? You know what I mean? Like I was a child. I very well could have like just thought it was Charlie, but it was actually Desmond because I don't remember Desmond existing. But clearly they were in this together. So I started to panic. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm fine with Charlie dying. I am not fine with Desmond dying. So that was interesting. Why is the station not flooded? Well, I mean, the others lie. I don't know. But why would Juliet lie? Because they could have lied to her. I don't know. What now for Charlie? Uh, We don't necessarily know that these people are bad. He could just explain who he is, what's going on. And maybe they're like, oh, my bad. Misunderstanding. We'll put the guns down and then like they continue. I don't know. And then somehow he dies. I still think he's going to die. Yes. How? Because he still has to go in that room and do the thing. It's still going to be what Desmond says. He drowns. That's what Desmond says. How does he drown? It's not flooded. It'll be flooded. Bitch, I don't know. It'll flood. Don't know. How will the rest of the plan go? Mainly just, you know, the part with the bomb. I'm just going to say it'll work. I don't know. I don't think it's going to kill a bunch of others. But I just really don't like. That's that's two of my men right there. So they better be Bernard, right? Yes, you know I love Bernard. Uh, I just hope that it's that it's successful. But obviously there needs to be more drama. The problem is like, I feel like, you know, I still think Charlie's going to die. So that's like a big point of drama. I feel like I hope the camp thing goes well. So I'm hoping that along the way for the trek to the radio tower, that's when the, like, what's her face? Rousseau and Alex 
reunification happens. I'm hoping like somewhere in there. But obviously there's going to just be a lot of a lot of drama. Are we ever going to get anything to do with this boat? Is that going to play in? I don't know. Well, I mean, there's like three other seasons. No, but I'm talking about today. Mm. Not today, how, but this episode. How does Alex and Danielle reunite on the trek? I think... Uh, I actually don't know. I just think Alex will run away and then... Or Danielle might just like abort mission and just like go look for Alex. I really don't know. Well, I hope she doesn't. She's the only one that knows where the radio tower is. Oh, well, shit, I don't know. How do you think the 30 other survivors that have never stepped foot in the jungle are going to handle marching across the island? I think they'll barely address it. Is Jacob going to be a factor in this finale? Um. Oh, I forgot about Locke. Like, that's a whole situation. Maybe. That's a lot to put into a finale. I, I feel like maybe at the end, we'll kind of like, they'll readdress like the Locke situation and it'll just be like a teaser for more Jacob to come. I don't necessarily think it's going to be well, Locke's uh, dead. I don't think Locke is dead. Any big, wild, crazy surprises, theories for the finale? Anything you want to lock in and don't say Charlie dies because you've been pounding your chest on that for the last season. But he does. Sure. I think I've said everything that I think is going to happen. I think Charlie's going to die. I think Rousseau and Alex will be reunited. I think... I don't I think Locke is alive just because in a show, if if you see someone and the death is left open ended, like you don't literally see them die, they're not dead. So he's alive. And maybe he goes back to the others and he just like he just stirs the pot like he could just drop a bomb, something. I don't know. Give me a hottie of the week. Side. Obviously. Duh. Reason. Hot. I don't, it's just he is I love him yeah. competency I guess you could say you are not gonna remember that for the next honey of the week tr- quiz we're doing that like this week I think I can remember uh, no I'll save it for the next time we do it well we're never doing it again hot he is <laughs> alright Lauren time for our penult- penultimate episode tradition who is next week about? What, probably fucking Jack? Well, I won't be telling you. That's the tradition. Oh, damn. What, are you going to tell me the title? You gotta, yeah, I'll tell you the title. I was going to say get a guess, but it could be anything. It might be a little familiar to you, based off of what you said earlier. Through the looking glass. Oh, nice. Okay. Okay. I, I'm assuming it's going to be Jack, but like... And what do you think it has in store for us if it is Jack? I don't really know. I I don't need to know anything else about that man. I'm hoping it's like a no flashback episode. I'm hoping it's like, or it's on island flashbacks or something like that. Because I don't, I just want all island action. I don't all need to know anything action. about Jack. It's just like, it's unnecessary. Okay, well, maybe it's not Jack. <laughs> what else would you like? The best, best, best centric would be danielle and like how she got to the radio tower in the first place just all of it like her losing alex like what actually happened when they were there and she had to like kill her team that would be the best centric but i'm not holding my breath for that like charlie was 
<laughs> Thank God that thing wasn't flooded because he would not have made it to the to the door. He like let all of his air out. Yeah. How long can you hold your breath for? Not long. Don't know. Yeah. Don't care. Final thoughts on the episode, Lauren? Really good. Very excited for the finale. So tired. We're almost at the end. I have said this is my favorite season. Where would you rank the three so far? I don't remember anything that's ever happened before today. So couldn't possibly. <laughs> don't know. Well, happy new year, everyone. Go Lions. And I'm all out of questions. But if you got questions for flashback, get them into our socials. Lauren, where can they find them? You can find us on TikTok at Lauren Gets Lost Pod and on Instagram at Lauren Gets Lost Pod. While you're there, also remember this month is my birthday. And for the flashback episode, we are doing a one time only advice podcast. So send in your questions, problems, your anything that you want our advice on that won't help you even a little bit. And I do have to say, shout out. This is inspired heavily by my new favorite podcast. We're here to help. Have you listened to Zane? It's so been holding good. out on me. Also, this is the outro. I don't care. I know we're gonna we're gonna have a tangent and outro for the first time ever. It's with Jake Johnson and Gareth Reynolds. Jake Johnson played Nick Miller in New Girl. And it's like an advice they they call in, but it's just like really random shit. And they just give like multiple options. They're like, okay, here's like the good advice. Do you want the bad advice now? And then they give like crazy advice. Every episode is good. It's hilarious. They bring on New Girl guests. So if you're a New Girl fan like me, go listen to it. But also listen to us. Oh, and by the way, give us five stars wherever you're listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube. Find us on Facebook. Tell your friends, tell your family, and tell your secret boyfriend living in the woods. And join us next week for the finale. It will be part one, but we are recording it all in one sitting just so we can have the best possible experience. We'll have our favorite guest star, producer Kate, and I'll give a little update on how the Lions are doing. If we're one step closer to winning the Super Bowl and me having to do a terrible podcast. Go Lions! Thank you for listening to Lauren Gets Lost. This podcast is hosted by and edited by Zane Kohler with co-host Lauren Kohler, produced by Kate Wister, and our music is done by David Kohler. And remember... They were not dead the whole time.